Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've got a packed house today and this is week two of my annual, ninth annual crystal ball prediction show. Happy to be here. And we got some great predictions for you. I don't even know what they're going to say, but I know they're going to be great. I'm going to welcome them in a minute. But before we start, I have a little poem that I co-wrote. Panelists, I want you to look up at me and watch me read this with great feeling. And when I call your name, only first name, I want you to wave furiously so everybody knows who you are. And wave right now to LinkedIn and wave hello to Facebook and wave hello virtually to the Voice America business audience that's listening around the world. So here we go. Welcome, worldwide audience, seeker of time's reprieve to Crystal Ball Predictions number two, where 2024 will weave. Hosted by Bonnie D, that's me, the maestro of manana, the sultaness of speculation, the diva of divination drama. Manana and drama are supposed to rhyme. No DeLorean, no Doc Brown's wild endeavor, yet a mind-bending journey like Marty McFly's guitar forever. Futurist creme de la creme with predictions so bright. Here we go. Wave when I say your name. Pras, Josh, Chuck, Pearl, Michelle, Barbara, Raffaella, and Murray in our crystal ball spotlight. Leaders of vision, 2024 predictions they'll share. A journey to the future for which we all care. In 2024's tech, our panelists unfold confident and articulate. I'm telling you all you have to be. But... Will their predictions hold? So raise your cup with Java Joe, Earl, Jack, or Dom. On Tech Revolution, we're poised with aplomb. Join me, Bonnie D, and my mic in red, leading us into 2024, hoping and planning for a great year ahead. What'd you all think? Pretty cool? You like it? Do I get any yeah. thumbs up there? Let's have some thumbs up. Come on. Okay. It wasn't just all chat GPT. It was me too, just so you know. This is called the, the AI and the human. And last I checked, I still am. So there we have it. So let me just give a brief bio for each of you, and then we will get started with the predictions. Pras Chatterjee is back. Pras is a Senior Director of Product Marketing for Planning and Analysis at SAP, my former something. I don't know if I call it alma mater. Pras is a chartered professional accountant who works with software firms and Fortune 500s in the finance space. Welcome back, Pras. And then we have Josh Cavalier, founder of joshcavalier.ai. I love the name of your company. Easy to recognize. Maybe your email is too. He pioneered the fusion of ChatGPT and generative AI to optimize performance. His YouTube channel and presentations at AR and education tech conferences underscore his passion and expertise. Welcome, Josh. And then we have Raffaella Tenconi. She's an economist and an entrepreneur who, entrepreneur who founded Analyze, Debate, Act Economics. That's ADA. It's an independent research company with expertise in economic and financial analysis. Welcome, Rafaela. And then we have Chuck Byers. Chuck and I were doing a little math before the show. He's the chief technology officer of the Industry IoT Consortium. He works on the architecture and implementation of edge computing systems, common platforms, drone delivery infrastructure. I hope you got a drone prediction on there, Chuck. And the Internet of Things, at last count, this was the math, Chuck holds 135 U.S. patents. And counting. I know everybody take a deep breath. So Michelle is saying, what? Okay. And then we have 
Pearl Guglani. Guglani. Pearl is a first-year student at UNC Charlotte in North Carolina. She's working toward a Bachelor's of Science in Computer Science degree. She's worked with Python, C+, C, I, I think it's plus, JavaScript and SQL for the back end and CSS and HTML for the front end. She's been coding only since the age of 13. Welcome, Pearl. So nice to have you here. And then we have Michel Serrier, the founder of InnoLifters. I've been doing some radio shows with him. He consults with international companies on innovation management, creative thinking, and inclusive cultural and digital transformation. That's a mouthful, and I like it. He's the co-author of the book, Innovation Leadership. Very applicable. Then we have Barbara Struna. I'll give her middle name, Barbara Epic Struna. She's a storyteller at heart. She lives on Cape Cod in an 1880s house where her imagination is inspired by history. She's the published author of four novels in her historical series, The Old Cape, using dueling timelines between time periods. Very clever. Barbara, lovely to have you here, our author today. And we have Murray Johansson. Murray is the president and founder of Legacy, L-E-G-A-C-E-E, -E, and the Legacy Academy, where he coaches and teaches executives and entrepreneurs how to master the much-needed, must-have work skills for the 21st century. He's also an adjunct professor specializing in digital marketing, digital entrepreneurship, skill mastery, and leadership skills. I am wowed. Everybody just give yourselves a round of applause for being here. I am so happy to have you. And I will tell my listeners, my viewers, that everybody here, with the exception of Pras, was a guest on one of my Technology Revolution shows this year. But Pras is here not only because we did a radio show together, I hosted for 11 years with him, uh, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. But last January, Pras was on the annual special, and he mentioned something called ChatGPT. He aroused my curiosity. I wrote it down. I found out about it. And a few days later, I was hooked, as they say in New York, uh, hooked. So there you go. So that's why he's back. So let's kick off this party. Pras, I'm putting you on speaker view first. Would you please do me the honor of starting the party? Let's get about mm, four minutes of predictions. Pras, what do you see for next year? Welcome. Great. Well, glad to be here, Bonnie. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting. Last January, December, I can't remember when it was, but you're right. I talked about this thing called ChatGPT and didn't even know where it was going to be. And, well, we all know where it ended up. So my predictions are going to be along those lines, but not particularly. I almost feel like with ChatGPT and all the things we've achieved with AI, just on a consumer end, you know, we ask questions, we get fitness plans, diet plans, cooked recipes, whatnot songs. I mean, there's a lot of gimmicky stuff, but there's also a lot of cool stuff going on in the background. But in a way, I feel it's almost like the cart came before the horse. And what I mean by that is it's like we have this really cool technology in front of us, but the underlying data that it works on, we never really fixed the plumbing or cleaned the plumbing behind it. So my prediction is that next year and maybe going forward, we're going to have some amazing advances in data. And what those advances in data are going to be clean data, accessible data, data that's meaningful, data that all of us can use in context. But the beauty of that data is once we've, you know, cleaned the plumbing and we've all undertaken that exercise, ultimately, tools like ChatGPT, Google, Bard, and other AI will leverage that data and make it a lot more trustworthy in our lives. And not just in our consumer lives and day-to-day -day activities, things that we talked about you know, fitness plans, recipes and whatnot, but on the enterprise level as well, I see real transformative things. I mean, I think we've all heard uh, predictions such as AI replacing X, Y, and Z. I don't think it's quite there yet. It's definitely going to replace many things, but I see one of the spaces it's going to leverage is automation. 
you know, once it learns your, you know, it has a clean, large language model to work off of, uh, the possibilities are endless in terms of what AI can possibly do. In terms of your day-to-day activities, it analyzes your work, the data that you work upon and you leverage to make meaningful decisions, data that you can leverage in context. And I think the beauty of data that we're going to leverage this year is really cool stuff like that. And I think this is a term that's going to be used a lot more. And this is my prediction I'm getting to right now. Something called a data fabric, a business data fabric. And what a business data fabric is, is that we're often honed in right now on the fact that data just exists in one place, or we got to get all the data clean in one place. Well, I think that dream is somewhat over. We're going to live in a world where data exists everywhere, but we can harness and connect that data in a real-time and transformative manner and make sense of that data. So you can have data sitting in you know, all different cloud systems internally in your organization. Um, even as a consumer, you can leverage data, make uh, sense of meaningful data that exists you know, all across your digital landscape. And you're going to use this business data fabric. So remember, you heard it here first, the business data fabric to stitch all that data together and, you know, in a way, create this wonderful tapestry of data. And then you're going to have amazing tools such as AI and ChatGPT to be that much more effective and helping you make better and transformative decisions. So that's where I am with my prediction for 2024 and beyond. Thank you very much. If you could speak to somebody no longer on this planet or within reach on this planet, or a fictional character, who would that person be using ChatGPT or some other LLM to have a conversation based on what it knows about their history, their style, what they did? Pras, who would that be? You know what? I, I've long been inspired by Muhammad Ali or formerly Cassius Clay, and I would love to just have a discussion with you know Muhammad Ali in terms of uh, his life. I mean, how he grew up, how he ended up in boxing. I mean, the wonderful quotes, what he was thinking with those quotes how he you know, played the mind games that he did, but yet how he became, at the same time, he was an activist. He was so many things all at once. Uh, maybe the greatest, one of the greatest athletes of all time, one of the greatest activists and uh, you know, social characters of all time. I mean, just maybe, just he just, I mean, to me, he captivates me as just an amazing person. That's someone who I'd love to have an amazing conversation with. Thank you. I will invite you on my show in February. We're going to have those conversations. So thank you. And we'll need a fictional character too. Thank you, Pras, for starting the party. Let's move on. Josh Cavalier is here. Hey, Josh, Bonnie. let's hear what you hi. Let's hear what you have to say. Go ahead. Yeah, I got two predictions. One's a, a big global prediction and the other one's a little bit more tactical. So let's get with the, the big one first. So, you know, recently in the European Union, they passed the AI Act. Absolutely huge. And it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to impact uh, not only Europe, but the rest of the world. Um, I know that there is a drawn out process as far as actually finalizing that AI Act and the way that it shows up as far as a vote by next April. And then there's the, you know, the gradual uh, acceptance of that law, which could take a year or two to actually get into place. So what's going to happen here in the States? It's going to be a patchwork of regulations. I don't think we're going to see any movement as far as Congress, uh, because we are going into, um, you know, a, a, a huge voting year here in the states. And so, as far as guardrails being placed up, uh, it's not going to happen fast enough uh, here in the states, which is unfortunate because I do believe that there needs to be um, child protection. There needs to be. Uh, workplace uh, regulation in place as far as bias and hiring. Um, there's all kinds of issues that are going to happen. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen fast enough. Same thing with copyright. I don't think copyright is going to happen fast enough. So we're going to see the technology rocket forward 
without these guardrails. And unfortunately, I think on the other side, there's going to be some negative consequences. So it remains to be seen. The other thing is I'm extremely lucky to work with companies and see how AI is put in place. And it's going to be extremely uneven. I see some companies uh, putting the foot on the gas pedal, moving forward with AI, making it accessible to a lot of their associates. But I see other companies that are going to be falling behind. Uh, they have no AI policy. They don't have it accessible to their individual associates. And so we're going to see in the marketplace, many companies move forward with it and be aggressive with it. And they're going to, you know, again, be in a different position at the end of 2024, 2024 versus other institutions that are going to be lagging behind. Josh, will there be new job roles created for these people who will take companies into that future? What would the titles be? You want to take a stab at that? Yeah. So, you know, in thinking about my world, which is learning and development, I do believe that content creation is going to be compressed. And we're going to look at more along the lines of analytics and data. So taking a look at what would happen in regards to performance and numbers around performance gaps. And then after, uh, you know, knowledge and skills and behavior type training get out there, what's the result? Like, are we really, you know, hitting our KPIs and uh, you know, what, what's going to happen as far as orchestration. So I see individuals orchestrating more as opposed to creating content. Interesting. I had a guest on a recent show who said we won't need text prompt engineers because the AI will give you the prompts, right, Chuck? AI will give you those prompts and will say, well, how, what language do you want or what poet do you want this after? Or, or uh, what gender would you like the voice in? Or right. what historical period would you like? So that was a new job, just job <laughs> position that may, may come and it may go, or they may claim that they, they are still the ones to do it. Josh, if you could talk to, through AI, talk to somebody who used to be on this planet, I'll just keep saying that, or a fictional character, who would that person or thing be? Yeah, so I would have to have a conversation with David Ogilvie. And for those of you who are not familiar with David Ogilvie, uh, he ran a famous ad agency, Ogilvy and & Mather, and wrote the book Ogilvy on Advertising. And when I really should have been studying uh, my main you know, topic when I was in college, I was being in the stacks reading his books <laughs> because I just had a fascination with um, you know, human mind and the consumption of media. And so I'd love to have a conversation with David Ogilvy, especially with our current reality of AI creating all this content for us. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let's go to my list of, of names here in my notes. It's different from what I all sent you in the chat. So I'm just going to proceed with my notes and don't be mad at me because it's a little bit of a different order. Raffaella, you're up next, my dear. Go ahead. Let's hear something about, I think, economics in 2024. Go ahead. Hi, Bunny. Hello, everyone. So my predictions, the first one is around uh, CBDCs, so digital currencies, uh, blockchain development in finance, um, uh, which is also linked to tokenization. This is something very cool. Uh, in Europe, the euro, the digital euro will be launched in uh, 2025. So it's a, a new type of money. It's a money that can allow central banks to have more granular data and can use AI also to understand better different parts of spending through the income distribution. Tokenization in itself is a huge, huge uh, evolution of financial investment. 
with the European Union passing an important legal document, the Mika document, as of uh, spring of next year. So look out for that. So I think that's like the, the sexy part of financial innovation coming coming soon. My second prediction is more about the labor market. I mean, I observe also ChatGPT in my own team. I think it's really nice that people have a buddy actually to work with. You know, it, it, I think if your organization allows it, I mean, I run a small organization, so we're we're quite flexible, but we find that especially junior staff is reassured by having somebody that can talk at various levels, both you know, expert and non-expert, so that when they then present it to more senior staff, they are more comfortable about it. So I think that's that's really important. And also other project that we see evolving in policymaking will allow AI and with some help of, of institutional legislation to allow the labor market to be more granularly mapped with AI so that all types of workers can be in future be found globally more easily. And that will really help with labor mobility, job skills, facilitating work-life balance, especially for women which are penalized around maternity. So I think that is an incredibly positive uh, thing that it's coming and it is also enabled by, by AI. And I want to conclude with a slight negative but hopeful note because it also links with what Josh and Press before mentioned. I mean, AI, of course, is a lot of data, requires a lot of data, and there are some deployment which is too much. And I can already see as, as my role as an economist uh, instances where it goes too far and it can flip into you know dictatorship and no capital mobility really easily so my prediction is the whole industry is mushrooming but there will be a point where it backlashes and that kind of backlash into excessive invasion of privacy in the long run is helpful because it will allow us to focus more on the part of human development and data sharing and information sharing, which is actually really, really positive. So I I hope I didn't overload you with ideas, but the message no. is it's very exciting and, and it can resolve some some very pressing problems in, in the near term. Thank you. I'm going back to what you opened with about AI being a buddy. Interesting. Um, I think there's a, a question. Murray may know something about this in the education field is, Teachers are saying, did you really write that or did ChatGPT write that for you? Well, beyond the idea of copyright, the idea is originality. Where did it come from? Well, we've been instructed and taught and, and, and cultured since we were born. So we have ideas in our head that come from our own history. AI has their large language models and it has all of its data that it's calling upon, whether it's current, which ChatGPT is not. But the point is that where what is original anymore? We're all right, Chuck. We're all looking back at something that we know. So the question is, if it's a buddy, is that a good thing, Raphael? Is that something a teacher's going to say? Did your buddy write that for you last night? What do you think? I think like everything in life, it's a matter of how you handle it. I mean, buddy. Look, I remember cheating in school. I certainly wasn't the only one. I mean, everybody took some shortcuts, and there were there were <laughs> limits to it. So I I, I think look. I, I, as I said in May, like 
humanity has its own ways. I think it's about bringing AI within what we know are necessary guardrails. And uh, that is that. I used to be criticized by my students, not my students, my fellow students uh, at college, because they'd say when there was an essay test, I wrote so much. They said, eventually, you're going to get to the answer, Bonnie, and the teacher will have to say yes and give you a good grade. I would just sit there and pour. It's like a core dump. Well, I was a programmer, so a core dump. I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing. They say somewhere in there, the right answer was buried, and she'll get it right. Raffaella? Well, if you want to have a conversation through AI with somebody no longer here or somebody who was never here, a character, fictional, okay, who would that be? So I think I'm going to say Karl Popper, philosopher, and ask what he thinks about ChatGPT and whether he can take his job. Interesting. Thank you very much. Okay. I, uh, for all of you, I used to be a stringer reporter for several magazines on Long Island, and I once interviewed the great Johnny Mathis. He called my phone at six o'clock in the morning. It was uh, his time, California nine. I had had to go through two uh, cassette tapes to, for the interview. It was so long. And I said to him, there's something new on TV called uh, American Idol. And I said, where people are going to audition, they're going to sing and they're trying to try to get record contracts. And I said, what do you predict? And he said, it will never be a success. I just wanted to tell you that. I have the interview somewhere. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Next online is Chuck Fires. Chuck, only 135 patents. You want to predict how many more you're going to get next year? Go ahead, Chuck. Oh, that depends upon the patent office, which is way backlogged. So I'm not going to venture to guess that. I've got like about eight things that I can talk about here, so I'll go fast. Uh, first of all, I think it's going to go nuts for AI in 2024 in both good ways and bad ways. You know, nuts because we're going to discover lots of interesting applications and uh, bad because I think we're going to probably start understanding the the bias and the hallucination and the energy use downsides of AI. Right now, it's kind of experimental, but when it hits mainstream, uh, society's going to figure that out. And uh, I, I think there's probably mechanisms. Um, I think the earliest impacts are going to come in vertical markets like entertainment, business process automation, healthcare, uh, autonomous everything, including drones and vehicles and buildings. Uh, sustainability uh, of, uh, you know, environmental and kinds of considerations and uh, probably politics. I think that AI is going to figure quite predominantly in the presidential election that we're all going to have to suffer through for the next little while. Yeah, I know no politics, but I think it's it's inevitable that uh, that both parties are going to use AI to manage the messages and and, and twiddle the voter rolls. Uh I think we're going to see mass customization of environments. Uh, so this could be things like, um, we, you know, well, what do you, what advertising do you get? Uh, a much, much better playlist recommendation for your, uh, your, your audio and music on demand stuff. Um, I would expect that sooner or later, Netflix is going to edit videos just for you. You know, it's, it's game of Thrones, but you care more about dragons than naked people. It knows that, and it edits <laughs> supposedly that way. So that sort of thing, I think, uh, is inevitable, and technology will support the individual customization of content and environments for people. Um, and in fact, I, I, I think that you'll see a lot more video walls and projectors all over the place. 
that we need to figure out how to manage, uh, you know, all the content that's coming at you from every direction. And AI is really the only way to keep everybody engaged the way that those advertisers and owners of those spaces care about. A little bit about uh, customer support. You know, we we call Microsoft or whoever, and we talk on the phone and maybe wait in the queue for a really long time, and it's irritating. And then when we get there, I don't know about you, but I always push the zero button or ask it, operator, attended human, right? Um, two years from agent, now- Agent, agent, right? That's right. agent, right? Two years ahead. from now, you won't be compelled to do that because first of all, you won't have to wait in the queue because the AI thing will answer it on the second ring. And second- you probably are going to realize that the AIs are better than the humans at solving your problems. That crossover point is going to be this year or next year, I think. And uh, you're not going to say agent, agent, agent. You're going to say AI, 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 because that's the way you know that you're going to get the answers that you want as fast as you want, as efficiently as you want, customized for my previous point just for you. So uh, that's a bit of a flip. And uh, for those of you who are training to be... Uh, telecommunication boiler room operators, I think your job is in serious jeopardy. Um, I think that uh, we're going to see lots of uh, support to try to make generative AI especially more trustworthy. And the way that we might do that is not just rely on ChatGTP alone, but what we might do is ask the same question to ChatGTP and and BARD and Microsoft 4.0 and all these other things, and then have some meta AI that analyzes all the different responses, votes on them, and gives you a composite response that might be more trustworthy, might be more free from bias or hallucination problems. Of course, then you've just shoved the problem to, will the meta AI have bias or hallucination? Uh, Maybe that's something that's more controllable than the individual AIs and all of the freaky data that they're pulling in to make their models. Um, I think that we're probably going to have uh, some governments trying to impose strict guide rails. We already mentioned the recent legislation in the EU. Uh, some others will do nothing because they figure that that's going to hamper, uh, guide rails will hamper their uh, the economic benefit of AI. Um, my belief is that uh, some extension of Asimov's three rules of robotics, three laws of robotics, that that robots uh, basically don't hurt humans. Robots do what humans say unless number one, is, the first law is violated. And then uh, robots take care of themselves unless the, either the other two laws are violated. I think you'll see extensions of those kinds of guide rails for AI. Microsoft has already proposed six rules of AI, accountability, inclusiveness, reliability, slash safety, fairness, transparency, and privacy slash security. I think all of us really believe that all of those attributes better be in in any AI system that we're messing with. Um, One more. uh, Just a a stretch prediction that you may or may not believe. I think this whole content creation thing is going to really embrace AI. And I believe that an EGOT will be won by AI-enabled systems by the end of the decade. And that's uh, Oscar, Tony, Emmy, Grammy, right? But it's going to be given to not only the human who wrote the prompts that that generated these excellent results, but the AI system itself. See if I'm right. Thank you very much. I have a question for you. We're talking about somebody mentioned privacy. I think a couple of people did. You mentioned that Netflix will be able to cobble together the characters and the plots you want to see in a, in a 
How will it know? Will it question us? Will it prompt us? Who do you want to see? And what would you like the outcome? Or will it just know? That's the maybe scary part, Chuck. But those recommendation engines that are running today that say, we think you'd enjoy this. They're already looking at your search histories and your buying behaviors and what you fast forward through. That's a good way for Netflix to know what you care about, right? It knows that. And it'll put that into the instructions to the AI-based film editors that will take all the raw stock and put it together in a thing that'll hold your attention more efficiently oh, than a non-AI so program. I'm watching, Michelle will get a kick out of this. I like to watch the French police procedurals with the gendarmerie and all the soap opera characters in them. And Tandem is one of my favorite. And I have a crush on the lead actor. I won't mention his name, Stefan Blankafort. Oh my God. Anyway, so it, when I run out of season eight or whatever is on right now, what if I went to AI and I said, I'd like to continue the series. Would you put together another episode for me where Inez, who I can't stand, is trying to steal Paul from Leia and take him to take them to Lille with her son, Tomas. And I wish that wouldn't happen, but I'm going to run out of shows soon. And I don't know when season nine from France, which was five years ago, is coming to USMHZ TV. So could it, would it do that for me? Not this year's technology, but by the middle of the decade, I would say that that would be very feasible. So he's you can still, say, I didn't like that ending. Make me a different ending. Wind it back. Yeah, he's still absolutely. my heart. I want to say, I thought Inez was going to be the culprit in the terrible plot where somebody was killing the criminal <laughs> It's just last another night. deep fake, right? I was I mean, rooting for her and she wasn't. Chuck, who would you want to talk to, fictional or past US, past real person? Quick. Past human, uh, Thomas Edison, just because he's got over a thousand patents that uh, pretty much every human on earth touches on a daily basis. And uh, uh, a fictional character, Indiana Jones. Just because he can be a, a stuffy professor teaching pretty boring subjects to not necessarily interested students one day. And then he's out there the next day whipping down the Nazis. I mean, how much fun is that? How much fun is that thing? Chuck, Pearl, you're up next. Our student, we're so, Pearl, we're so <laughs> delighted that you're joining this panel. I'm I'm very impressed with you. I was when I met you on the show with Dr. Sharon Jones a few months ago, and I'm so happy you're here. So Pearl, regale us. What are your predictions? All right. So I'm not going to lie. A lot of my, like, you know, touched upon predictions have been very much expanded and touched upon by uh Mr. Chuck, uh, Mr. Josh Cavalier and Mr. Chuck Myers. So, so basically I am currently in this, okay, well now it's over, but I was in this class called computing for professionals where we had to think about like critical thinking and computing and stuff. And a lot of the questions, I had to write a paper on this was like, who's in charge of the mistakes that AI will inevitably make. Right. And, um, I will say I used AI to help me write my paper with the grammar and stuff because I'm, I'm very bad at paper writing, but, um, I think that there's going to be a thought of like creating an ethics board, like the way we have a Supreme Court, sort of like the the legal out, like the legal thought of AI, like how if people implement it into something like medical technology or something like that, then who's going to be where's the liability in like in insurance terms, like who has liability for that? And I think I think that's going to be something potentially bad or someone's going to catch something before something bad happens and it's going to start a conversation that's what i believe will maybe happen around like october of next year because i think that'll give it enough time for it to become integrated into things and then adding on to what uh mr chuck byer said i think that there's going to be like 
I'm in, I, I listen to music a lot. So like I was thinking about the Spotify wrapped. I think they're going to use AI like more. I don't actually know how that works. I'm going to be honest with you. I know they take your data and then they select songs based on like vibes. Who even knows? But um, I think they're going to start using AI to be like, you know, like if they say make me a playlist that's like sad, but good for car, good for like a road trip. then it's going to use that to like give me songs. I think they're going to start integrating that into their algorithm a little bit. And then my third thing was that I think the interest rates are going to go down in the market. So I think there's going to be a lot more startups happening around next year. But I don't, in my mind, in my mind, I have no idea what they could touch upon, but they're going to find something to touch upon because that's what startups do. And I think there's going to be some crazy new idea that someone's going to have, and it's just going to change a lot of the job market for CS specifically. Earl, if you could do that startup, if you if somebody <laughs> said we're going to fund your startup, what would it be in that AI space? What would you want? I think I would. I truly, truly, I have no idea, but I would think it would have to do something with philosophy, because I think uh, Miss Rafaela said, like AI is like she wanted to ask a philosopher, like, would, how would it take your job? But I think it would be really interesting to see how an AI could hypothetically think about, like, itself. <clears throat> and uh, I can't remember the questions that, uh, who is, <laughs> um, the three questions to see if something was, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know what I, I, there's something like that. I'll get back to you when I remember it, but. Okay, that's yeah. fine. And who would you like to interview or speak with, have a conversation with Pearl? I was no longer hero or fictional. I could have decided between two people. One is uh, Commander Spock from Star Trek, the original Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> or the other one is Arthur C. Clarke, because I think he would get a kick out of the world right now. <laughs> Very interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. By the way, what languages are you coding in now, Pearl? What's your what's um, your favorite? I, I took my Java final yesterday and um, you know, we'll see how that's going, but I think I'm gonna be going back to Python for a bit. Okay. Thank yeah. you very much. Yes. Very happy to have you here. Let's move on. Michelle Serrier, bienvenue. Comment ça va? I'm always happy to see you. Talk to us, Michelle. Thank you. I'm doing good. And thanks for having me, Bonnie. So I'm probably going to do it in English and not in French, uh, because otherwise it's going to be boring Merci. for most of you. Merci. Uh, and by the way, I learned a new word because I knew regaler in French, but I didn't know it was used in English. So now I, I know that you can use that, that verb too in English. Uh, so I'm always learning something each time we our passes cross somehow. Thank you. Um, so what I believe, but it's really... Uh, uh, based on what I'm seeing, uh, what, what I've seen uh, the past few months since 2023 is actually that we're going to see a greater integration of AI in, into our daily lives. I mean, I'm seeing it uh, every day. Um, we'll see that it's enhancing human capabilities in a positive way, not, not, not replacing actually. I don't, I mean, progress is always replacing something, but it's always also creating something new uh, where there is more demand than what it was replacing before. Uh, but I think we'll see augmented intelligence scenarios. Uh, we'll see that AI is assisting us uh, to make decisions. Um, even I am using it in creative workshops to have people to have more uh, bold ideas 
because people have a tendency to, when you have them generate the first time ideas, they're going to have something which we call incremental ideas. And afterwards, I'm, I'm quite often currently using AI to uh, multiply it, not in the sense of technology, but more into taking, uh, really taking them to ChatGPT or another tool, if they know another one, to really look at what would actually come if you would hear, if you, you would type in it, I want something weird and bold. And we're using this for uh, futuring workshops. And sometimes it's creating things which are not usable, but it's also creating things which uh, then are people are able to piggyback on it and make bigger ideas, which then is uh, the purpose of uh, what I'm trying to do. Um, we're also using it to uh, create learning learning nuggets because you have most in most companies are actually uh, leveraging a ton of documents and it's very boring to go through all those documents, try to get the essence out of it and so on. And AI is helping to uh, to make boring jobs a lot more interesting. Uh, and then you go away from just putting one brick on top of the other and you're turning into more of an architect, even, even though you may be a, a blue collar in that sense. But it's also teaching me that uh, you, we we really need to uh, to pay attention to the way we use AI, uh, which was touched upon by a lot of the people that spoke before me. <clears throat> and this is driving me to my second prediction, which goes into the direction of the AI Act we, we just had uh, in Europe. So at the same time that we're seeing those needs, we also need to make sure that we have ethical AI practices. This is something that I'm trying to um, address at all the, the companies I'm working with because I see that people are using AI more and more. Um, they do it without paying much attention. And you need also to make sure as a company that you're actually still using AI or AI is not going to have you somehow, um, how do you say that, um, step or walk over your values, the values you have in your company. Mm -hmm. So you need, we need to make sure we use it in the same way Microsoft would put it, which is fairness, transparency, accountability, <clears throat> and make sure that we... Uh, we're making efforts to so that it's uh, ensuring responsibility in the way we use it. And all in all, it should be done for people, together with the people, to achieve adoption and trust so that we don't have a phenomenon of rejection, uh, which is driving continents like uh, Europe to then uh, publish their AI Act. Um, and to me, all of this, and someone touched on this also, this is going to uh, push companies even more into the direction of becoming data-driven companies. Um, but this only works if, if you're able to make a sense of the out of the data. And AI is probably going to help us to uh, move from data lakes to smart data to something which is really intelligent. But never forgetting that, and that's not a prediction, I think it's more of a, an, um, a conviction that whatever AI, whatever technology we have, it's if we want that to spread and to be adopted, it's first about changing minds before you're able to changing things. And that's where I would uh, stop. Thank you very much. With whom would you like to speak through AI, Michel Serrier? <clears throat> Jules Verne. Jules Verne? Uh, yep. Because For those he of you who don't speak French, Jules Verne. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so Jules Verne. Um, and uh, Because he wrote a ton of books which were... Most of the things he wrote have been realized, but I've read, I think, all of these books, and I never saw something which was close to uh, AI or that type of stuff. 
So it would be interesting to see why he, he thought that this piece somehow, because I'm sure he thought about it, but he somehow didn't believe he could make it to a book. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Merci, Barbara Struner. Let's hear from you, our history novelist. Barbara, welcome. Hi, welcome. Thanks. Nice to be here with among such talented panelists. I feel like, wow, I'm just learning a lot. But my prediction uh, is based back into January last year when I was on the show with you and we talked about it. And I said, based, it's going to come down to ethics. Will the creator, the author, the artist be willing to say, yes, I did this. I did that. I used this. And that's still going to be, or it should be, in the heads of all these people that are creating. My husband's a professional artist, has been for over 50 years. All my children are working in Hollywood and also in the arts. And they all use these techniques and they love it. And as an author, I think that um, we're going to use it more. But we have to learn about it more. We have to understand it more to see what we're facing. And so there's going to be a lot of educational uh, topics that are going to be uh, offered to authors and artists to combat um, the, uh, we're not owning up to, uh, did I use this? Did I use that? I think publishers now will, in fact, they are already asking you when you fill in your query, they're asking you to tell them how much AI was used, what program did you use, and so on. Was it content generated or content uh, assisted? That's the big difference. And that's never been asked before when you are going to publishers. They're doing that. Amazon is now doing the same thing. They've changed their guidelines to um, upload KDP books. And um, they've changed it and added two things that you need to admit whether you used program for AI generated content or AI assisted. And so that's that's brand new. So it's almost like Amazon and the publishing companies are on the author's side because and uh, Amazon has had such an influx of ebooks this past year. There used to be no cap on how many you could upload to their service. Now there is. You can only do three books at a time a day. But still, I mean, who in God's, who can write three books in one day anyway, or at least two days? I don't get it. But um, that's a cap now that they have, plus the KDP guidelines. And so that's all very, very important. We need to use AI as a tool to help us to uh, make a better product but not with content. That's important for us to hold on to. And just like the writer's strike, they held on to that. They, they wanted to make sure that their content was heard and noticed that they're going to get paid for it. And so it, it was very interesting, all that happened in Hollywood. So that's one prediction that I think that we are going to be learning more about it. And if, if, uh, the creator or the artist does not learn enough about AI, 
they're going to be not they're not going to be success, as successful as the others. So you've got to use this and keep going using it. Uh, the other thing is that um, yeah, Google is now as of November. Um, they're putting guidelines that you have to any ad political. I just said the word. That's all. I'm not going to talk about it. Any ad that comes through Google, uh, YouTube or whatever, you have to place a disclaimer someplace in a conspicuous place that says this has been generated by AI assisted ads and visuals. That's new. And also Facebook, Instagram, they will also make you do that. And whether or not people are going to be ethical enough to say, yes, I did use this. I made up that image. I made up that that uh, audio. I added the audio to another person or whatever. That's the question that we all have to have in our heads. Is uh, Will we, we be honest enough to say this? So. Um, I just, uh, my fifth book is coming out in the spring and I've added a disclaimer under the usual one that says uh, you can't, uh, it's not related to any other people in fiction or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I put in that this is, this piece, this work is not generated by any AI uh, content created programs and you can't use it without strict permission from me if you want to use it in the training of AI. And so that's another thing too. So um, it's a very interesting world that we're entering and it has really super speeded over the last year into everything. And I'm glad that people are uh, in the industry are coming to our aid, so to speak, to protect us as a creator. So, um, and the person that I would like to talk to yes, is my father. He was a dreamer of a, an engineer and never got to achieve it because he had to quit work when his father died in the 20s and he couldn't finish high school. And so, but this guy, he built uh, speakers. We had music in every single room of our house. He made records of our voices when I was very, in the in the 60s and in the 50s. And so I'd like to talk to him and say, look at me. I am almost as good as you because I'm still I'm fascinated with technology and everything else as old as I am. I still love it. And um, that's who I'd like to talk to and just compare notes with what he thought when he was doing it back in the 30s and 40s. What a lovely thought. One quick question. I recently met an author who's coming on my Monday Night Creativity show, Barbara, and she has written 97 romance novels. (laughs) She's not that old. Uh, you gave me a thought and I read, I asked her for one in her romance series and it was uh, something about a, a, a obsession or something. It was very well done. It was 80 pages on a PDF, 80 pages. I was able to read it in about an hour and a half. It had full character development. It had an opening, a beginning and end and it resolved itself. I was very impressed. I never thought that maybe she used AI to write Oh yeah, them. yeah. Actually, uh, the uh, young adult romance novels are the biggest um problem right now. They're just just pushing them out, pushing them out, and it's all AI generated. 97 books. I said to myself, does yeah, she you, There's no does way she, if I, she's gonna, younger than me could do that. I don't she, think so. She, she, she's <laughs> Barbara, it was lovely. Murray Johansson, you have been so patient. He's been sitting there in front of his billboard and he's waiting to tell us. Murray, go ahead, wrap this for us. You're ready. All right. Very good. I, I wanted to talk to everyone a little bit about uh, AI and the future of learning. I've often thought to predict the future, 
you have to understand the past to be able to know what to do in the present. And so I'd like to set a context for us uh, today. Um, and I want to go back to the Industrial Revolution. As, as you know, it all started with the steam engine in English in the 18th century. Today, we're on the fourth Industrial Revolution, if you want to think of it that way. And this innovation involves AI. Um, and one of the defining characteristics of uh, the Industrial Revolution was the replacement of humans with technology. And I don't think we're going to see that change with the fourth industrial revolution. So we can see a lot of integration uh, of AI into human activities. Um, the next thing I, I wanted to share with you is the adaptation rate. Um, when an innovation occurs, um, there's a rate of adaptation, sometimes called the diffusion of innovation. Uh, if some of you remember, uh, ChatGPT came out in November of 2022, and in two months, two months had over 100 million people using it, 100 million. That has never occurred in human history. You've never seen an adaptation rate that fast. CNBC says over 1.5 billion people have used this technology in one form or another. Um, so what we're dealing with is a trend that's not going to die. So I guess that's an easy prediction. Um, it's going to continue to evolve. And it's going to continue to affect us. Another thing that I want to talk about in terms of trend is uh, a concept which comes out of science is called the paradigm shift. And some of you know this very well already. Um, the idea is, is that we live in a, a world of rules and these rules govern our behavior, whether it's in business or life. And at some points, the rules shift and they call this the paradigm. Well, if in a, in a big paradigm shift, such as what we're experiencing right today, the technological paradigm shift associated with AIs, it has um, some negative impacts. And so one of the negative impacts I'm going to say is it creates winners and it creates losers. Mm -hmm. Winners adapt, losers don't. And adaptation, in my view, is just another word for learning. And I don't think our elites understand that. In other words, we got to shift the way we learn if we're going to adapt to this underlying technology. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, uh, again, I think the underlying, I think this paradigm is going to continue. It's not going to um, drop and we'll have, unfortunately, uh, winners and losers in our societies. And that's not just individuals, that's companies. You know, I'm reminded when the automobile came out, there must have been a lot of people who were making buggies wondering whether they were going to have a product or not in a few years. And uh, uh, Josh has said that already. He sees some companies adapting very quickly, others completely ignoring it. Same, same with individuals. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about some evolving technologies that are occurring within this big technological umbrella. Um, and I'm gonna focus a little bit. So in November of 2022, OpenAI introduced ChatGPT. They did it again, uh, another technological uh, innovation, a big technological innovation in November of 2023, about a year later. And this is one that they call GPTs. And I think GPTs have a tremendous, will have a tremendous impact on our lives. A GTP, if you want to think about it, is a baby AI. It's a baby AI that you can train. That sounds kind of interesting, actually, training your own AI. 
Now, the mother AI, which we're going to call GTP4, still interacts with the baby AI or the GTP. However, what you can do is inject your personal expertise into this AI. And that AI can help you uh, with the uh, evolution of what you're doing. So if you're a great writer, uh, you could inject your personal expertise on writing. If you're a cook, you can tell um, that uh, GPT how to make Italian food. If you're a video script writer, you can give it the heuristics, not data. And I, I think data has limitations. It's the heuristics that you use to develop a video script. And I think that's game-changing because now you have an assistant who really can help you in your uh, area of personal expertise again if you want to share it now there are some dangers to that because we don't know maybe that expertise is being scammed off to somebody else um so on and so forth so there are some issues right there or potentially another revenue stream finally everyone i want to close on a, another a big big um, evolutionary technology that is the idea of coaching and tutoring one of the problems we have in online learning and i do um i teach two different lms's learning management systems one for the university one for the academy the idea is is that there's very little interaction with the students Okay, so it's like they're passive and they're kind of absorbing information. And believe me, professors are more boring um, than um, what you're seeing on Instagram. I mean, seriously, you can't compete. I mean, there's just no way. So how are you going to compete? How are you going to get them to learn? How are you going to get them to engage? Well, um, these two LMSs don't do this, but I'm shifting over now to a third one that does. They give you the ability to have the student ask questions mm -hmm. of the AI. And so they can ask questions on the content that you're teaching, you know, because I swear to God, nobody likes to ask the professor a question and then uh, they appear foolish. Yeah, but they'll definitely ask the, ask the AI. So I think the revolution in learning will occur. Um, we'll have the technology. The big question, I'll close on this, is whether humans are willing to learn. And All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One sentence. Finish your sentence. Go on. I want to. I want to cut you. One sentence. What are we going to say? If humans are willing to learn, finish that. Um, in other words, are we able to five x or ten x our own personal pro productivity and performance? Are we, are we willing to learn to be able to do that? Thank you, Murray. Well. Murray, conversation AI with fictional person, official character, or real person? Who fast? Oh, yeah, I'd like to do Athena. Athena to me is really fact fascinating. Patron of Athens, actually. So she was a goddess of wisdom. But more than that, she was a protector. She was also a warrior. And sometimes you see her, uh, her hand, uh, the uh, goddess of Nike. Nike. Thank you, Murray. A good conversation. I want to thank all of you so much. This was interesting. I, I'm always amazed at my guests on these specials. I know it's a packed house. I know we're on the clock. But... Everybody seems to pay attention to what the others are saying and reflect on it. Right, Pearl? And right, Barbara? And right, Pross? And Michelle? And Chuck? And Josh? And, and Raffaella? And Murray? Everybody is listening and learning and growing. I hope you'll all connect with each other. You've got each other's emails. Quickly, let's do this. You know, I always do this on the show. Everybody put up your finger. We're going to say no, no, no on the count of three. Everybody says the future is already here. Come on, Josh, put up that finger. Everybody says the future was already here. And our answer is one, two, three. No, no, no. 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 Raphael, I didn't hear you. Come on. No, no, no. There she is. I think she's frozen. Anyway. No, no. no. That was, there we go. That was yesterday's future. That was the future. I didn't say that sentence. 
half a second ago. That was the future. It's in the past already. See how fast it goes. Beat, beat, beat. Right, Michelle? So we're all going to do our best to make it a much better, much more uh, human future. That's what I predict. Bonnie D saying goodbye. Don't go away. Guess. Wave goodbye to LinkedIn. Thank you, Andrew, our engineer. Wave goodbye to Facebook. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh